The Chicago Bears offensive line was an easy target for criticism in the Bears win over the Seahawks in the second preseason game. But really, when you take a look at it, that group up front played better than you might think and really don't deserve all the blame for the times Justin Fields was on the run. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit the subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making Locked On Bears your first listen today and hopefully every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Elias. Their app lets you access team and player stats, head-to-head team comparisons, and more. Give yourself the edge this NFL season. Find Elias Game Plan in the App Store or Google Play today. On the show today, we look back at this Bears preseason win over the Seattle Seahawks, a a game that was certainly smooth offensively in the second half and beyond, and the Bears look like the clearly better team. But that first drive with the first team offense, I don't want to overanalyze it, but I do want to make sure we're not overly critical of the Bears offensive line because they were so in the, the crosshairs of not only the broadcast team, but a lot of the sort of you know, amateur analysts on Twitter and even some professional analysts were really quick to say, oh man, Justin Fields running for his life out there. Bears offensive line really struggling in this one. And you, you watch the tape and even just going back and rewatching the broadcast clips live, the offensive line was not nearly as bad as so many wanted to make it out to be. So we'll kind of go through what we did and didn't see from this Bears offensive line and what was happening on some of those plays where... Justin Fields is flushed out of the pocket and and running for his life and why not such a large share of the blame belongs on the offensive line. We'll talk about some of the other concerns that might arise from when the blame's not on the offensive line in some of these cases. And then we'll check in on this Bears defense as well. Some interesting developments with the secondary rotation with a few guys coming back from injuries and a couple of guys still not playing and kind of get a sense of where some of that 53-man roster battle might sit. But specifically with this offensive line, right, there was so much of that quick criticism that, oh man, on that first drive, Fields hardly had a clean pocket to work from and he was hit a couple of times, not sacked, but, you know, had to had to escape and sort of, you know, dive forward with the ball and, and almost fumbled, but was barely down first. And it was like, oh man, that must be a bad offensive line. That's always where we go to assume first. But Really, when you go back and, and look at the, those plays, and it's a small sample size, but I think it's an important point to make here, that they're not really all on Justin Field or all, all on this offensive line, and more so can go around. Like the first play of the game, tight end screen. So yeah, they let a pass rusher come at him because they're setting up a screen pass. So And he's got, even, even though it's a screen, still has time to sit there and kind of loop it over top of the pass rush. You're inviting the pass rush to come on down to get you. And of course, that that gives you a 11-yard gain or whatever that first play ended up being. Second play of the game, Fields gets some pressure and has to check down. But on that play, it's Khalil Herbert who steps up to pick up a blitzing linebacker up the middle and just whiffs. 
does not do a great job and just misses the blitz pickup. And of course, the pass rusher is then able to get by him and get in Fields' face and force him to get rid of the ball and take a little bit of a hit there. Third play, you see the offensive line, specifically the right side with Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum. They let some initial penetration through around the outside. And you see Justin Fields feel that a little bit and then step up and immediately tuck the ball and start scrambling and looking to, to run. And I think that was the play where he, he almost fumbled as he was sort of diving and trying to get past to the first down marker. And on that play, no, it was not what I would call great reps by either Tevin Jenkins at right guard nor Larry Borum at right tackle. But on that play, Justin Fields could have stepped up but kept his eyes downfield. That yes, Jenkins and Borum both were letting pass rushers through a little bit to the outside, but they followed them. If you watch the play, they followed the pass rusher and they pushed them down and around and away from the pocket. It's not as though Fields would have had five seconds to stay standing in there, but he was too quick to drop his eyes and go straight to the scramble on that play as opposed to hanging with it another second, second and a half, two seconds longer to see if another pass-catching option would be open. I, th I think on that play, he did have whoever the running back was open as a check down in the flat as well. So instead of taking a hit as a scrambler and almost fumbling and turning the ball over to gain a yard or whatever he got in that play, had he stayed in pass mode longer, there were op opportunities there to get the ball to one of his receivers and, and more fully execute the design of the play as opposed to abandoning it at the first sign of anything slightly off on the offensive line. And it, it was, like I said, it was not great blocks by them, but they did not allow, there were no pass rushers about to hit fields, right? He did not have to, he did not have to scramble from that moment. If he had stepped up and stayed in the pocket, there was sort of that second recovery block there from both Jenkins and Borum to at least give him an extra second or two. Fourth play of that drive, right guard and right tackle were bad. I'll 100% give you the fourth play of that drive. You got tight ends on the left side of the offensive line, two tight ends struggling to block pass rushers. Those are coming at fields on one side. The right side of the offensive line, I think it's Borum especially, is bad on that play, but Tevin Jenkins also struggled a little bit. Yes, I will give you that one. Fourth play was not great from the Bears offensive line. And then the fifth play of the offensive drive, it rolls out to the left, has all day to throw, flips his hips. Then the late pass rush eventually comes over, but... That's, you know, that's like the, the key first five plays of that drive driving down to get into field goal range where there's one play out of those five that, yeah, I would directly attribute to offensive line play, the two right side players struggling a little bit on that particular play. And as a, as a ratio, one out of five is still not an ideal ratio for offensive line play, but it's a very, very small sample size. But the bigger point being that everyone wanted to make it seem like Every single play, this offensive line was giving up pressure into Fields. And really, it was a screen pass, bad play by a running back. Fields leaving the pocket earlier than he needed to. Then an actual bad play by the offensive line and the tight ends. And then a rollout. And they, they moved in a couple of rollouts from there, and he had time to throw on those rollouts. And, you know, a couple of times he liked to try to decide between the scramble and the run on the rollouts, but was not bad offensive line play specifically in pass protection on quite a few of those opportunities. And I just don't think what we're, what we're seeing, what we see on the game tape is matching this negative, super negative narrative about the offensive line. I certainly understand wanting to be critical and evaluate the offensive line very closely to see if they're any good. And to that extent, I think we're looking for them almost to not be good because we're sort of expecting them to not be good. But I just want to make sure that when we are seeing them not be good or when we are criticizing them, 
that they're actually getting just criticism, justified, you know, justified, justifiable, proven criticism, and not just, oh, Fields had to run, therefore it must be bad offensive line play because it just wasn't quite simply that easy. I think we learned a little bit more about how this offensive line might shake out. And also maybe the fact that it wasn't all on the offensive line and that Fields was still moving out of the pocket and under pressure in a lot of situations maybe raises a separate problem here that hasn't been talked about enough. We'll go into that and much more from this first preseason game next on Locked on Bears. There's no shame in admitting we've all been in situations before in our life where maybe you're living a little bit paycheck to paycheck. You're tight on cash and you couldn't quite fill up the gas tank all the way or you know, you're wondering how you're going to buy that next wedding gift for that event coming up. Well, hey, don't worry about it. Our friends at Dave are here to help. Dave is the banking app that can help you get $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy that gift, catch up on bills, whatever it is, Dave can get you money to help. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out, but without any hangups because there's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. The problems, I think, with this Bears pass protection have evolved over time. That Yes, first and foremost, we were concerned, I think for good reason, about this offensive line. And not that the offensive line is settled, solved, or even playing at a super, super high level. But I think the, the small sample size of pass protection issues that Fields has had in these two preseason games highlight how the problem goes beyond the offensive line. And it's not purely the offensive line talent that we have to be concerned about, that there are other aspects that go into this that all need to come together in order for Fields to have, you know, time to throw and, and be the best quarterback that he can be. First and foremost, there is still a level of pocket presence development that Fields needs to make, that he's still at times too quick to feel pressure and go to scramble instead of hanging in the pocket and staying there. We talked about this a lot after the last preseason game against the Chiefs, where we had a much larger, well, not a much larger, but a relatively larger sample size of, you know, about double as many snaps in that game as this game. But this game seemed to continue some of those trends where it's like when he does have time to throw, you can see him getting through his progressions more quickly. He's The plays are coming to him fast. He can kind of go from receiver to receiver to receiver and find the open guy or sometimes find the check down fairly quickly. That is progress from last season and a big part of the offseason development that we wanted to see, see from Justin Fields. The pocket presence hasn't made that same step forward just yet. It is still figuring out when you can and can't step up in the pocket, when you need to scramble out of space, and when you can hang in there a little bit longer. And even when you are getting out in the open space, like how much time do you have before those pursuing pass rushers catch up to you and you need to keep moving again versus hanging on that spot because you're just waiting for your guy to get open just a little bit more. If you had just another half second, you could throw the ball to a spot and let the receiver go to it. 
that's still going to be a work in progress for Fields. And like we talked about last week, it's something that's really hard to practice in the offseason when it's not real game situations, right? When you're just practicing against dummies and even when you have your offensive line out there, they can't really hit you. It's not the same feeling and the same experience to purely practice the same pocket presence type situation. So I think that's a skill that develops more with time in regular season games and, and preseason games and that we should look for, or we should be on the look for seeing how much that can improve as this season goes on. But what stood out separately over these first two preseason games that I don't think has gotten raised as a real concern much up to this point that I think it's time we, we bring this out a little bit are the tight ends and running backs helping out in pass protection because both position groups have been particularly bad in pass protection. And you don't expect running backs and tight ends to block at the same quality of offensive linemen. But at the same time, you don't really ask them to make the same difficulty of blocks as offensive linemen. You know, rarely do you stick one tight end out there and say, you, you block the defensive end or the outside linebacker one-on-one or a running back, you block the defensive tackle or the outside linebacker one-on-one in space. That's not typically what they're asked to do, right? Running backs are in to help, and sometimes helping can mean a one-on-one block, but if a running back is taking on a one-on-one block, it's usually an extra blitzing player, either a linebacker or a defensive back, that's a little bit of an easier task because linebackers and defensive backs don't tend to be prolific pass rushers. And so it's more about sort of getting in their way and disrupting and less about having to be this super, super skilled pass protector like an offensive lineman. And for tight ends, a lot of times it's, it's either chipping and then releasing into your route or just straight up double teaming with another offensive lineman. So you're not being asked to fully block a premier pass rusher one-on-one. And despite these less difficult matchups, we have not seen good pass protection from either group. This, in this game, we mentioned it earlier, Khalil Herbert, third play of the game, just whiffs essentially on a blitzing linebacker and lets the pass rusher get pretty easily free to Justin Fields. And there was flashes of those same mistakes in the first preseason game. We saw, we've seen Tristan Ebner, the rookie running back, also struggle quite a bit in pass protection in the preseason through both preseason games now. So that's not a great sign for them as far as being on the field more in passing situations. Not that David Montgomery has always been some sort of, you know, premier pass blocking running back by any means, but if he can be better than those two, then he might get more of those third down opportunities. And as a result, more of the pass catching opportunities as well. Because as much as we'd like to see, you know, this group of, of running backs get these new pass catchers involved on the field, right? That's part of why they drafted Treston Ebner, and it's part of why, you know, we were excited for what Khalil Herbert could do this season because, you know, they can be more dynamic threats in the passing game, but you also have to be able to block in the passing game if you want to be on the field more in third downs, and they, they just haven't quite, in, in a small preseason sample size, haven't been able to get the job done. In this game in particular, I was also disappointed with how the tight ends were blocking. And it wasn't so much Cole Komet. He wasn't used much as a pass protector in the game, but it was the other guys, Ryan Griffin, James O'Shaughnessy, and and then, you know, some of the other, like, third-string type rotational guys in there, like uh, Chase Allen, and uh, I think it might just be Chase Allen. They might just be down to four. And then, oh, and Jake Jake Tongas, the, the fullback, tight end, backup type guy. 
they were rough in pass protection too on, on a few different plays in this game. And, and the reason why it's a concern to me is because it's like, okay, if if you're anticipating the Bears offensive line isn't going to be stellar this season, at least you can help them out with tight ends and running backs. But now maybe we're starting to see that the available help at tight end and running back is also potentially subpar. I'm trying not to overreact to two preseason games, right? There's still still time for those to improve and for these to be small sample sizes and for these players to generally be more consistent in blocking moving forward and in the regular season. But it's something to keep an eye on here moving forward as if, if those guys are there to help the offensive line and they're not providing the help that they're supposed to be providing, it doesn't solve the problem of the offensive line perhaps still needing some help in this process. So it's... It's an update. It's a work in progress, and we'll certainly kind of keep tabs on that. The other thing on this offensive line we want to keep tabs on is Tevin Jenkins Like, seems to be pretty legitimately the starting right guard right now. Like, I, I, I thought because we didn't see Riley Reef in there and because we didn't see Michael Schofield in there with the starters that they were just letting Jenkins and Borum play and the, the two veterans weren't going to play. But then Michael Schofield came in with the second team, and it was like, wait a minute. Tevin Jenkins is the legitimate first team starting right guard. He's not just getting those snaps because the veteran has a day off. It's like, no, they're legitimately giving him those starting opportunities. And it's Borum who's more likely to be the backup to Riley Reef when Riley Reef plays in, in week one. And that seems to be how the offensive line is shaking out, but still time for that to be figured out in the next preseason game that we'll keep an eye on as well. I also want to turn our attention to this cornerback rotation with a few guys coming back from injury, a few guys still out, and some updated answers on what this secondary might look like next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at BetterHelp. BetterHelp is here for you to help provide mental health services. We should do our best to eliminate the stigma around therapy and treatment. I go to online therapy every single week, the same way BetterHelp offers for you. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log into your account at any time and send a message right to your therapist. You can schedule weekly video sessions, or you can do it over the phone if you don't want to be on camera, you feel more comfortable just sort of talking it out that way. And you get therapy every week. It's as easy as a few clicks on your laptop or phone. With therapy, sometimes it could take the right fit. It could take a little while to find the right fit for you. Lord knows I've changed therapists a few times over the years just to kind of find the right person that you just kind of connect with. Not that the first ones are, are bad. It's just trying to find that right fit. But what I love about BetterHelp is they make it super easy and free to change therapists if you need to. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and they also do have financial aid available as well. BetterHelp is a great way to invest in yourself. So visit their website, read their testimonials that are posted daily. So many people have been using BetterHelp that they're actually recruiting more therapists in all 50 states. They've got a special offer for Locked On Bears listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's 10% off your first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com dot com slash locked on. Kyler Gordon made his Bears rookie debut back in his home state of Washington. A, a fun opportunity for him, and he was getting in on some plays as well there. And he instantly slots back into this cornerback rotation, and I was curious how they were going to divvy things up with him, given that they've kind of used him in the slot quite a bit, but also 
kind of thought he would be the outside cornerback opposite Jalen Johnson, and he's done some of both throughout training camp and this offseason. And so we started to get a, a interesting picture of that group because you still don't have Kendall Vildor healthy and active, was not playing in the game. You have Thomas Graham not playing in the game, and then their free agent they signed this offseason, Tavon Young, still hasn't played in these preseason games. And so it's not anywhere close to a full health, full strength cornerback depth chart. And yet, first plays of the game, when they come out in their base defense, your, your outside cornerbacks were Jalen Johnson and Lamar Jackson. And Kyler Gordon wasn't out there at first. It wasn't until they went into the nickel and added the slot cornerback that Kyler Gordon came in purely as the slot cornerback with the starting lineup, which, okay, maybe they want to focus on the slot with him and say, just play this position, play it as best you can, and we're going to have you focus on there because for whatever reason they think Kendall Vildor should be the starter opposite Jalen Johnson if Vildor has made the necessary steps forward. That seems to be the way they've been rolling thus far through training camp. But then, you know, the starters came out and Gordon stayed in and Gordon went out to outside cornerback a little bit and Duke Shelley was in the slot and they had Lamar Jackson on the outside. And so it just seems a little bit confusing to me, like why, why they're having Kyler Gordon play both, but not both with the first team. Like I would have thought the plan, like the, the objective at cornerback and well at every position, but specifically for this example at cornerback, you want your best cornerbacks on the field at all times. So when you have two cornerbacks on the field, you want your top two guys. And when you have three cornerbacks on the field, you have your top three guys. And so if your top three guys right now, when healthy, are Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, Kendall Vildor, then you would think when you have two cornerbacks in the field, it would be Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson on the outside. And then when you go to the nickel, you would then rotate Kyler Gordon into the slot and bring Kendall Vildor off the bench. Now, in this case, Kendall Vildor's hurt, so Lamar Jackson is taking his place. But you would still think Kyler Gordon and Jalen Johnson would be your two best cornerbacks. So you would want the two of them both out on the field in base defense. And then when you need to bring in a third, instead of bringing in a slot, you bring in a new outside cornerback and move Kyler Gordon into the slot. But that didn't seem to be the way the Bears wanted to go about it in this group. So it was just... I don't know, an interesting way of going about it that has me wondering how this cornerback depth chart is going to play out. It's clearly still a lot of opportunity available for guys to earn bigger and better roles. And certainly the injuries at that position kind of throw a wrench into this. Because we saw, you know, once Kyle Gordon or Kyler Gordon officially came out in as the backup slot cornerback in this game, second team was Duke Shelley, a familiar face. And so you might be thinking, well, then, okay, wait a minute, is Duke Shelley going to have a spot on this 53-man roster, but then it's like, well, no. Well, Tavon Young was signed, and he's been a high-level starting slot cornerback in the NFL before. He's always had injury problems, but when he's healthy, is a high-level slot cornerback in the NFL. And then we both, we all really like, we all really like what Thomas Graham has shown in in well, really mostly last season. And so, uh, presumably, there would either be a roster spot for him or some kind of opportunity to see what he can do. And so, I'm. I'm just confused as to how they might want to slot this out because, I mean, if Tavon Young and, and Thomas Graham keep not practicing and not playing, I mean, can you can you keep them on the 53 over guys that have been practicing and playing and, and playing particularly well? Like that's, eventually you hit a threshold, right? Where it's like, if, can you go the whole preseason without having either one of them play and without having either one of them really do much at all at practice, but still confidently say, yep, 
they're good to go as backups that we may need to rely on this season? Or are you more inclined to go to somebody like Lamar Jackson, who was brought in early, early in this offseason, a former undrafted free agent, had a few starts under his belt with the Jets, but clearly like more on the camp body spectrum of the cornerback depth chart, a guy who's now then worked his way up from what felt like third string on paper all the way now to a starter in terms of because of the guys that are injured. And so if he's been out there with the starters playing decently well, do you keep him over someone like Graham or Young that you've seen a bunch from and really like their talent, but like they haven't, this regime hasn't seen them in person practicing. They just haven't been out at practice. It's not their fault, but it's just, it's it's a product of the situation. And, and if they're seeing Lamar Jackson in person and saying this, he, he's playing well, could they keep him over two guys that we both, we, we presumably thought would both be pretty easy locks for the 53-man roster? I mean, it's just tough. I mean, we know for sure Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, for sure. Then uh, Kendall Wilder, those three will be for sure cornerbacks on this 53. Then it's like, I thought Tavon Young, Thomas Graham, there's five cornerbacks, and then maybe it's Duke Shelley versus Lamar Jackson for number six. But I don't know that Thomas Graham or Tavon Young are guaranteed a spot at this point, even though it feels like they should be and that you want to keep them around. And I still think they probably will end up being kept around. But like if Jackson keeps playing well, is he slot in as cornerback four? And then you keep Duke Shelley as your backup slot cornerback. There's your five. And then... It's sort of special teams from there. And Devontae Harris has been a big special teams contributor for them as well. So it's getting murky at cornerback in particular, in large part because of these injuries. And it's something we're definitely going to be keeping a close eye on here throughout the rest of the preseason and the training camp practices. Definitely we'll let you know when we find any and all updates on that. So I hope you'll keep coming back for more Locked on Bears. Hit that subscribe button on the Locked on Bears YouTube channel or wherever you listen to this in the podcast form. That's going to be the best way to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making Locked on Bears your first listen today and hopefully every day. If you're looking for your second listen, the Locked On Podcast Network is doing its ultimate college football preview right now. It's a special podcast channel if you just search ultimate college football preview because the Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day. And so we've got all your teams covered. Football, college football, professional football, basketball, hockey, baseball, you name it. Locked On is here for you. So I hope when you're done with Locked On Bears, you go check those out. Come on back on Monday for more net, for more preseason Bears analysis and catching up on any and all of the offseason news stories. And most importantly, I hope that the Locked On Bears podcast helps you bear down.